Welcome to episode 224 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast Feast Repeat, a comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door, and they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild-caught. Their beef is 100% grass-fed and 100% grass-finished. Their chicken is free-range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast with code ifpodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 224 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I'm doing great. Great. What's new in your world? Did I tell you last week, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, Fast Feast Repeat is now available in Spanish. Yes. Did I say it on the podcast? Yes, I think so. Okay. Well, I'm just so excited. I couldn't remember if I did. It's also in Italian. Like, it's available for sale right now. Spanish and Italian. More languages coming. That's very exciting. It is exciting. I don't even remember what languages are coming. I hope it's in French sometime. 
I don't remember French, if that one's coming. But the way it works, it's really different. A lot of people probably don't know, and I just certainly didn't know. But the book is originally purchased, for example, by my my publisher for the English translation or for the English rights, basically. I mean, there's no translation because, hello, I'm English. All right, <laughs> write in English. But the English version is what, you know, that we were under contract for. So the foreign rights are a whole different thing. So every company that, you know, is in another country is separate from my original publisher, and they have to negotiate for foreign rights for that specific language. And they're all separate publishers. It's just, it's really interesting. I would have assumed that my original publisher would would be the one that would just keep it and do, no. Yeah. It's so interesting how everything works. And it's like, unless you are in that world, you don't realize all of the stuff that happens. Yeah, I had no idea. And then, you know, like with the foreign editions, you have so much less control over them <laughs> than you do, you know, with the the ones right here that are coming out of the U.S. But like the Italian one has a whole different name and the, the cover is funny. It's a cupcake. Did, have you seen the picture of it? It's like a cupcake with an on-off switch. No, you just told me about it. Nobody showed me that or asked me about it beforehand. Because the eating window opens and we eat cupcakes. <laughs> Exactly. I guess. I don't know, but I thought that was just really funny. And the, the name of it is not Fast Feast Repeat <laughs> in Italian. I think the, the story for that one is translating Fast Feast Repeat into Italian was weird. Like the way they had to translate it made no sense. So they had, you know. So what's the title? I, I can't remember. I'm super curious. It's, it's in Italian, so I can't. <laughs> but it's not Fast Feast Repeat. But it is Fast Feast Repeat. Anyway. So just look for Jen Stevens. That will help you find them if you're looking for them in another language. Is there like an Italian Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. They have Amazons all over the place. And I know this because, you know, Delay Don't Deny is self-published. And so I published it through Amazon's publishing arm. Amazon is my publisher, really. So I get like, you know, royalty checks from Amazon, but I get one from Amazon Canada and one from Amazon, you know, Europe. And so it's all like where Delay Don't Deny sells. Yeah. Wherever, whatever Amazon sold it, I get a separate royalty check from them. It's fascinating. Like the paperback just became available in Australia for Delay Don't Deny because Delay Don't Deny is print on demand. So when someone orders it, they print it. So different you know places are printing it all over the world. But Amazon in Australia just started printing the American books. If it was published, like, by me in America, you can now get it. You could get it before through, like, several weird places that were probably all counterfeit. But <laughs> the Kindle version's been available in Amazon all the time. But they didn't have print-on-demand for American books, and now they do. So anyone wanting to get Delayed on Deny in Australia, you can now get the actual non-counterfeit version directly in Australia. Very nice. It is nice. So what's up with you? What's new? I'm really happy right now because Gary Tobbs asked if I would tweet about our episode. Oh, that's good. If you had told me like 10 years ago, Gary Tobbs would ask me to tweet about our episode so that he could retweet it. I don't know. I really like these surreal moments because I released that episode on Friday. Well, that is so exciting that he loved it. I know. Well, it was more just like my assistant sends the announcement email to the guest every week. He just said, basically, can we tweet about it so he could tweet? I was like, oh, of course I can. And then I got on Twitter and because I haven't I haven't logged into Twitter in months, like months. And I had all of these 
like Dr. Stephen Gundry had tweeted about me. I was like, oh my gosh. So I think I might start trying to up my Twitter game. I do have some exciting news. I'm not going to tell all of it, but I can tell a little bit of it. What is that? Someone that I love and respect and admire in the health and nutrition world agreed to write the foreword for Cleanish. And I heard from his assistant that he is done with it. I haven't seen it yet. She's reading it and is going to get it to me next week. I don't want to say who it is till I have it in my hands. <laughs> Once I have it in my hands, I'll announce who is writing the foreword for Cleanish. But no, it's not Jason Fung. If people are probably guessing because it's not a fasting book, remember. I'm so excited. I'm excited. I know who it is. Yeah, you know who it is. But... <sighs> It's someone I admire greatly who does great science, and I can't wait to see what he said in the foreword. It really is exciting. I sent him a you know draft copy and said, by the way, as you're skimming through it, if you see anything, you're like, this is just garbage. This is terrible. This book is the worst book ever. You know how you're worried about books, but so far I haven't gotten any emails like that. So <laughs> I'm sure that was not even remotely the case. Well, anyway. I went through the copy editing this week as well, which, oh, I love copy editors. Y'all are the best. Any copy editors that might be listening, they do a lot of work. They do. I could not be a copy editor. No, no. Apparently, I could not be. (laughs) Anyway. I don't know. I feel like I might be good at it, but I wouldn't like doing it. Well, I feel like I, you know, there weren't like a lot of errors. You know, it's not like there were a million things. Really, it only took me a couple hours to go through the copy edits which was kind of amazing. I set aside like days I was going to go through them, but it was like little things. So, yeah. Oh, one other thing to share. There's this biohacking magazine and they were asking if I would write an article for it. So I was trying to decide what to write on. So I decided to write on either intermittent fasting for women or early versus late night eating. And I posted in my group about it and asked for, like, what would people prefer? And I think it's literally 50-50. I mean, people really want both articles. But now I'm, like, trying to sit down. I'm going to do early versus late night eating. I'm going to find all the studies, and I'm going to read them, and I'm going to see what's actually going on. But you know what's so frustrating? Just, it's so frustrating. Like, I found this one article that it's talking about early versus late night intermittent fasting. and It's so frustrating. Is this the one where they didn't compare equal eating windows? It's a review. It's not a study. So basically, like the first half of it talks about the hormonal differences between early and late night eating and why early is better in theory, which I agree with. But then it talks about the actual studies on it. And it's really confusing when an agenda is so blatant. Like, it is just so obvious that they want to say early eating is better because, you know, they make that case with the hormones, but then they talk about the actual studies and they say, like, literally at one point they say that there's only one study that actually looks at this and that it doesn't find a difference. Before that, they talk all about all of the studies on breakfast skipper problems and how breakfast eaters have health benefits, which again, I agree with, but I think it's because it's complicated and nuanced and probably more has to do with the type of person that eats breakfast and, you know, all of that. But when it comes down to it, they say that there's only one study and it doesn't show a difference. And yet the conclusion they draw is that early is better with comments like how the data shows that. And I'm like, wait, but you just said that there's only one study and it doesn't show that. And again, so much of the stuff they're looking at 
is in the paradigm of eating all day. So if you're eating all day, you're going to be at a very different place by the end of the day than if you had fasted all day and eaten later. You're going to respond very differently to a meal at 4 p.m. if it's your first meal of the day versus if now it's your fifth time you've eaten. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just don't think you can untangle that. Oh, and one of the other things it says, and this is where I was just like, oh my gosh, they say that like people who eat late, the type of foods we eat at night are more sugary and fattening. I'm like, wait, breakfast cereals are like pure sugar. When I was at the beach with my family, some of the members of the family, what they were eating at breakfast time, like they bought like honey buns and I'm not judging my family, but I would feel so terrible if I ate that. Also, I've never liked donuts. I think I've said that before, which is crazy. I just never have, but like I've never wanted to start the morning with a honey bun, but that is really the sugariest, most ultra processed thing you could eat. It would set me up for a day of metabolic awfulness. What's so frustrating about it is You're making an argument where you're trying to analyze early versus late night eating. It's not valid, in my opinion, to talk about the food composition because that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about the timing. It's not even relevant. And then on top of that, saying that you're more likely to eat bad foods at night. Okay. Like who? (laughs) That's like not what we're testing. We just talked about how breakfast foods are usually pretty awful. So I don't know. It's just, it's really frustrating. I'm not convinced. I haven't seen anything that shows the hormonal profile being more supportive of late night eating. So it's like, in theory, it works better for the morning, but the practicality of it and people actually doing it and, you know, what makes you like is sustainable, I think is way, way more important. And this is what I think my conclusion is going to be. And I need to do more research because I just started, but I feel like you're probably more likely to benefit from the window that it's like with exercise, like the window that you do. So if a later eating window is sustainable and that's what makes you happy and that's what you can stick to, I think that's probably way better than forcing yourself into an early eating window. Do you know what my best evidence is for any of this is the fact that our bodies let us know what feels good. We get feedback from our bodies And when we just tell people, find the window that works for you, and then the great majority of them gravitate to a late afternoon to early evening eating window, that means something to me. The fact that most people, when they experiment with various eating windows, most people do not find the morning is the one that feels right for many reasons. Like, it makes me lethargic the rest of the day, and I can't imagine that that would be better. I don't know. I'm just listening to my body. My body... (laughs) It's not telling me that's the best. And and it seems like most people are similar, though I 100% believe the people that prefer a morning window. There are people who do, and they feel great. Yes. No, I'm jealous of them. I'm not, because I'm not jealous of anyone who's different than me. I I just, I want to do what feels good to me. There are things about me that I would rather be chronotype-wise. And so I would rather be the chronotype that is an early early morning person and who eats in the morning, but definitely the early morning, maybe not the eating in the morning, but definitely an early morning person. I would love to be that because of society. As an early morning person, I will tell you, (laughs) sometimes I wish I could sleep in and I can't. So, I mean, there's always going to be a time. You're not going to be there for part of it. You're either going to be going to bed early or getting up or, you know, one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. 
Be happy with what you are. That's my message. Oh, I am. I live in perpetual like obsession with my state of existence, but I still like have dream versions of myself that would be different, but I'm super happy with who I am. Well, that's good. That's what matters. I feel like I say every single day to somebody just how grateful I am for my life. Like, I think you can think, oh, I would be even more happier with that or that that would suit me. It's kind of like, I've been thinking a lot about this and this is a tangent and I'll, I'll make it brief, but people often say that like the I'll be happy when syndrome, like they, you know, they want things that will make them happy. And then the idea is once you get it, it doesn't make you as happy as you think, or the happiness doesn't last. I don't agree with that. Like there are a lot of things I thought would make me happy and then they happen and they made me really happy and they still make me happy like 10 years later, you know? Well, that's because you're coming from a place of happiness. I think that's the difference. If you're happy, then you're not, this thing is not making you be happy in the absence of happiness. And that's why I'm saying about the early person thing. Like, I'm so happy with who I am. I think I would be even more happier that way. And it's not because I'm not happy without it. I just think I would prefer to exist in society in that regards a little bit more. I feel like if I switched to it, I would be like, this is so great. And I would keep thinking it was great. Esoteric thoughts. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40 percent lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high-quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating 
and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein. So I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email, and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. Shall we get into everything for today? Yes, let's. All right. So to start things off, we have some feedback. This comes from Sarah. The subject is from vegetarian-ish to carnivore-ish. Sarah says, Dear Jen and Melanie, I wrote to you in the fall of 2020 with my saga about losing 10 pounds at the beginning of the quarantine and then gaining 20 pounds in about four months and being so confused and distraught. I'm writing again with an update. As a reminder, I've been fasting since 2017 as a vegetarian slash pescatarian. I went from a high weight of 179 pounds to a plateau of about 143 to 152 pounds for about 2.5 years. I'm 5'2", so I never even got to the normal BMI range, which is why I call it a plateau. My low in 2020 was 139 and my high was 159. And that meant going from fitting perfectly into my smallest clothes to only fitting into leggings. I got to the point from eating out and eating processed food when things started to open up again, but the amount of weight that I gained in such a short amount of time made me think something was up since I was still fasting. I calculated the amount of protein I was eating on a regular basis and realized it was only about 20 to 50 grams a day. So I reintroduced meat into my diet around Thanksgiving. For about six months, I didn't lose any weight and didn't see much progress in my clothes either. I was also way hungrier than I had been as a vegetarian, which surprised me since I was now eating much more protein, but I just let myself eat and the hunger went away over time. Now it's the end of June and I've been focusing more on low carb in addition to the protein and I'm fitting pretty well into my smallest clothes again. But instead of being around 140 pounds, I'm still 155 pounds, only three to four pounds down from that highest weight. And yet my body has totally changed. My takeaway is that I was likely nutrient deficient and losing some lean body mass when I was fasting as a vegetarian due to a lack of protein. And now I built up that lean body mass and have about eight to 10 pounds more of it than I did before. I'm truly shocked because I felt great as a vegetarian. I would often get frustrated when Melanie would push her high meat, high protein agenda, LOL, but now I'm a total convert. Thanks for listening to my long story. I wanted to write in in case any other vegetarians are thinking of reintroducing meat or to encourage them to focus on plant protein and make sure they're getting enough. I found that hard to do with fasting, but maybe others can find a way if it's important to them. Much love to you both, Sarah. All right. I think that's very interesting. I'm glad that you're feeling better, Sarah, and satisfied and finding what foods work really well for you. I really love this question from Sarah. And I actually had to email Sarah back 
about it because I got a little, not upset, but when she said that I would push a high meat, high protein agenda. And I just wanted to speak to that and say that I really hope I don't ever come off as having an agenda because I really don't. My, my agenda is that I want people to find what works for them and that we're all unique. Like if I were to have an agenda, it's that. And Sarah was great. She said that she was like joking. She didn't really mean it that way. But listeners, please let me know if I ever say anything that sounds like it's agenda driven because that is just the antithesis of what I ever would desire. But I thought this was a great email because I think a lot of people experience this and I think they experience it actually on all different types of diets. So, you know, people might be vegetarian for a long time or vegan and then their body is craving something, especially this protein situation, which I think is huge, huge, huge. And so then adding in meat helps. On the flip side, people may be doing, I mean, carnivore for a long time and then feel the need to bring back carbs or low carb and feeling the need to bring back carbs. So I really think listening to your body is key. And I also think it's amazing that she only lost a few pounds, but her entire body composition has changed completely. So I, I, that does signify to me that it's probably a lot of muscle change, which is definitely very, very healthy for our body and the type of composition that we want to go for, for so many reasons. And one of the reasons that I think people don't quite appreciate the extent to which I think it plays a role, and that's muscle being a glucose sink for our dietary carbs. So the more muscle we have, the more insulin sensitive we will likely be because we have a, a larger storage capacity to store carbs. And I've thought about that vaguely for a while, but I, I think it's actually huge. And I remember I've talked about this before, but who was it? I listened to some episode. I think it was, oh, I know who it was. It was on Peter Atia, and it was that doctor. I think Shulman was his name. It was literally the most mind-blowing insulin episode I've ever listened to. I would love to interview him, but he was the one that was saying that most people say insulin resistance starts at like the liver or the pancreas, but he was saying it actually starts at the muscle, which I find very, very interesting. But yeah, lots of thoughts. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Really, you just have to figure out what feels right for your body. And, you know, also don't underestimate the power of doing a lot of eating out and eating processed food. I mean, that's going to lead to fat gain, right? In addition, that that's the perfect storm. All those those processed foods because you've all those restaurant foods. I mean, you can't do a lot of eating out unless you're somewhere very fancy and special like the like that you like to go to, Melanie, at like a normal place. Just, you know, where everybody's going, you know, 95% of all restaurants, you're going to get stuff with, you know, the inflammatory oils, everything's going to be full of ultra processed ingredients. It's hard to hard to find, you know, and, and you're going to pay a lot of money for a a restaurant that is more, you know, like whole food based. I think you can make a lot of mid-tier restaurants work though. You know, I make them work. I I I'm not going to say don't eat out, but even so, it's tricky. You can craft a plate of food, but it's not what you want to eat while you're there. That's what's so frustrating. Does that make sense? So if if you know like well, I'll just have, you know, spinach plain. I don't want to do that if I'm in a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends what type of person you are because, and the only reason I'm drawing attention to this is because like I can pretty much make most restaurants work and I'm super happy with what I eat. 
I would rather not go to a restaurant if I have to really restrict my choices because what they have on the menu doesn't, I don't know if I'm explaining it well. You know, like if we're at a pizza restaurant, I'm going to eat pizza. And if I don't want to go to a pizza restaurant and try to find something on the menu or an Italian restaurant and try to find something on the menu, something else, or I'd rather just eat at home. I guess that's my point. Yeah, no, I understand completely what you're saying. That's why I think it's like the type of person and the type of food that you're eating normally, because like, I actually, this is what I posted about on my Instagram today, because people always want to see pictures of my food and you don't want to see pictures of my food because it's it's very plain and there's a lot of it. And it's, you know, I, I eat very simply. I can really go to most restaurants. And because I eat so simply, I curtail the menu to be simple. Like, I don't want to eat what they have normally. I get it. Like last night I had chicken pot pie from Green Chef. <laughs> you would not have had that. No. It had brioche croutons that I made from scratch. They sent the brioche bread. And I mean, it was Green Chef. It had plenty of veggies and it was delicious. I mean, it was good. They're not sponsoring this episode, but I'm I'm very simple. So, so yeah. So if you're down for simple, you can make most restaurants work, I think. If you like chicken pot pie, you'd rather have it at home from Green Chef than at a restaurant. Yes, exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Now you get it. <laughs> exactly. Shall we go on to our next feedback question? Yes, this is from Laura, and the subject is IF in the news. She says, hi, ladies. I've been with you since the beginning, and it wouldn't be a Monday morning without listening to your latest episode. Thank you. I know you tape delay, so maybe you'll talk about this soon, but if not, please go look up Phil Mickelson and how he attributes his recent PGA win to not eating for 36 hours each week so I can let my body reset. Phil just became the oldest player to win a major, and I'm sure IF contributed to that. He has also lost weight. Please keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for all of the great information and fellowship. And have I ever told my Phil Mickelson story? No. I can't remember what year it was. It was prior to 2014 because I was still heavy. And I probably weighed about 175 to 179. So I was at a middle high, not the highest high. (laughs) But right around some point around 2000, maybe it was 2012 or 2011. I can't remember. I was selected by the Phil Mickelson ExxonMobil Teacher Institute to go to New York City. Like they picked like two teachers from every state. And I was one of the two selected to come from Georgia. Like you have to be nominated by a student and it has to talk about why they want you to to win. Did you know what student it was who nominated you? I do know what student it was. Yep. It was a fifth grade boy. It was called Send My Teacher was the name of the program. And actually, okay, it was Will Stevens, but I had no idea he was doing it. Apparently he went to his daddy and said, let's nominate mama or something. I didn't know it was happening. So it sounds bad when I say it was my own son, but I was his teacher. I taught him in the gifted program. But anyway, for whatever reason, I didn't know it was happening until I got the email. I'm like, what is this? And then my husband's like, oh yeah, that was Will. Anyhow, (laughs) I didn't know if I could tell that part or not. But anyway, I got to go and Phil came and spoke to us. It was really cool. There were, I don't know, just over 100 of us, I guess, since it was two from every state and um, I think a couple from D.C., places like that. Anyway, so I have a Phil Mickelson connection. Oh, and that was also the year he won the Masters. That was what was so cool. So right after that I was selected to go, 
there was like a press release that went out. These are the teachers that were selected to go. And because I live in Augusta, which is where the Masters is played, and because I'm a local teacher, the news called me. and They're like, we want to interview you for the news. So it was like, okay. So <laughs> I came back from spring break because we all go out of town for spring break because that's when the Masters is. And everyone leaves Augusta. For the masters, a lot of people do. You know, we run our houses out. We go out of town. So I'd been on a cruise. And then I come back home, and Phil had won the masters. And then suddenly I'm like, news, because of the Phil Mickelson connection. Anyway, that's my brush with Phil. I would love it if he read my book, though. Phil, read my book. I wonder if he was doing his 36-hour fast at that time. I don't know. Anyway. Small world. <laughs> it is. Oh, and one thing about Phil, that year that he that he won, someone who worked at Krispy Kreme here in Augusta snapped a photo of Phil Mickelson driving through the Krispy Kreme drive through wearing his green jacket with his family in the car. It was after he won. He was, like, wearing the green jacket through the Krispy Kreme drive through It was so cute. Wait, the green jacket. Oh, Melanie, bless your heart. When you win the Masters, you get a green jacket. <laughs> Sorry. I wouldn't know that if I didn't live in Augusta. I would not know that. So you're forgiven for not knowing that. But the green jacket is like the biggest thing. I had a master's cap. Okay. Well, Phil was wearing his green jacket. I mean, it was clearly a snapshot from someone from inside the drive-thru. So it's not like just an urban legend, but people shared it all over Facebook. And it was Phil Mickelson, but he was wearing his green jacket, which was the cutest part of the story. And his, his family was in the car. So I love Phil Mickelson is the whole thing I was trying to say there. I just love him. He's officially my favorite golfer. I have a question about the Masters. Okay. I'm confused. How do you watch it if it's golf? Can't you only see like the beginning of the course? Oh, like if you're on the course? Yeah. Wouldn't the golfers be like way gone? I've actually been to the tournament, not for a long, long time, but people camp out at a hole. They have viewing stands, and people usually will find somewhere they want to be, and they see people come by. Unless you're watching on TV, you can't see all 18 holes. That's true. So it's like a parade. Kind of. Yeah, it's kind of like a parade. That is a good way of putting it, Melanie. It's a golf parade. So, like, I've often wondered. It's been a long time since I've been to the Masters, but, like, people at the 18th hole, like, how early they get there to sit and to watch, you know? And what if they have to go to the bathroom? I don't know. These are the things I think about. Is the 18th hole the last one? Yes, it is. (laughs) Are you proud I figured that out? I'm so proud. And then after that, they get their green jacket. Oh, my goodness. That is so funny. Do people get hit in the head with golf balls? Not very often because the golfers are like keeping it right there on the on the fairway. But like in general, do people get hit in the head with golf balls? Well, normally when people are playing golf, they're like standing together and shooting or hitting down the field, down the whatever, down the green, down the whatever. It's now people are laughing at me cuz my terminology is not that great either. But you're you're not going to hit towards people. You're not going to drive towards a crowd. I just feel like the most dangerous sport may be golf in Florida because golf balls and alligators. Okay. Maybe. the I don't think so. <laughs> I am thumbs down on that one. <laughs> really, golf, golf courses are not just like wall-to-wall. Normal ones are not wall-to-wall spectators. It's mostly just like open grounds. <laughs> and unless you're at the Masters, in which case those people are pretty good not hitting into the crowd for the most part. Okay. I feel like I learn more about golf. For the most part. Yeah. 
anyway. It's really hard for those of us who live in Augusta to get tickets to go. You have to, like, really be somebody or have had them in your family. They're, like, willed, passed down from generation to generation. I'm not fancy enough to go. Yeah, I remember when my dad went, it was, like, a big deal. And so that makes sense. My dad used to always get tickets back in the day because of his job. He got them through his work. That's how my dad got them. Yeah. Yeah. But then as soon as he retired, he's like, oh, my friends forgot my name. (laughs) That was the end of that. Yeah. I haven't been since my dad retired, so. Well, good to know that Phil Mickelson is doing 36-hour fasts. Yep. I think he and I are, are the same age or very close to the same age anyway. All right. We have a question from Shelby, and the subject is frustrated. Shelby says, I have loved intermittent fasting as far as how I feel, but I have actually gained weight with IF. I have been doing IF for over two months with a one-week break for vacation and maybe a couple of weekend days, but during the week, quite strict. What could I be doing wrong? I am not eating a perfect diet, but by no means terrible either. I have Hashimoto's, not hypothyroidism, and pernicious anemia. I have an active lifestyle that has lessened a bit since my diagnosis, but still fairly active. Thanks, girls. I have loved your podcast and have gotten multiple people to do IF with me, and we're all loving it. I just wish my weight would go the right direction. Thanks. All right, Shelby. Thank you so much for your question. So, well, for starters, I find it really interesting that she says she has Hashimoto's, not hypothyroidism. So to clarify, so hypothyroidism is a underactive thyroid gland and Basically, the thyroid is not producing adequate thyroid hormones, and thyroid is, I mean, it's what, I don't want to say it is our metabolism, but it's what stimulates our metabolic processes all throughout our body. So our active thyroid hormones are what basically tell cells to burn energy. So in a way, it is our metabolism. So if you're hypothyroid and you're lacking thyroid hormone or adequate thyroid hormone, and or you might have adequate thyroid hormone, but your receptors are resistant. Uh, there can be a lot of things going on. But basically, your metabolism slows down. Weight gain is very common. The most common form of hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition affecting the thyroid. It is possible, however, to have Hashimoto's and it wouldn't manifest as hypothyroidism. So it might actually manifest as hyperthyroidism or it might manifest other ways. But in any case, I have a question for Shelby. I wonder if she's certain that she's Hashimoto's and not hypothyroid or if she was maybe diagnosed as Hashimoto's and is thinking that means she's not hypothyroid. Um, So I'd be really curious what her her actual thyroid levels are. Because if she is at all hypothyroid or if she has high reverse T3, for example, because you can also have um, normal thyroid levels of T3. T3 is your active thyroid hormone. But if you have high reverse T3, that actually blocks your T3. Or like I mentioned, you can have resistance at the T3 receptor, at the cells, a lot of things that can go on. The reason I'm drawing attention to it is because it can be a huge factor in weight gain. So She may think that it's not playing a factor, but it it might be. So as far as gaining weight, not losing weight, I think this is an example of where fasting is not the be-all, end-all to everything. And depending on what you're eating, it's very easy to not lose weight and even 
potentially possible to gain weight depending on what you're eating. Can I pop something in real quick? Mm -hmm. We also don't know a lot of things about like we, we really people, if you could send us as much information as you could, that would be so helpful. Like, for example, knowing how much weight Shelby needs to lose would really help us to know. Like maybe she's only gained three pounds and it's muscle, but we don't know. If she only wants to lose 10 pounds to be at her weight that would make her happy versus does she need to lose 100? Those kind of factors are really, really important. It's so funny that you commented on that. One of the reasons I actually wanted to include this question was because of how simple it was. And it's because I think that a lot of people often just view it as IF is the only thing and all of these other factors that we would want to know about that you just mentioned, like your weight, your muscle, your food, like what you're eating. Are you going through menopause? Like, I'm so glad you said that because this is literally what I wanted to focus on was that I think a lot of people don't take any of that into account and they just think it's the IF. And that's all there is to talk about is the IF. It's not just the IF. (laughs) IF is one factor of our lifestyle. And if other things are not in a good place, IF is not going to magically correct all the things. Exactly. So like saying I'm not eating a perfect diet, there's a lot there that can't really just be brushed aside for most people or for a lot of people. If the diet is the reason, I think it'll be really hard to just focus on the fasting and make changes. And also two months is not a long time. Especially if one week was a break for vacation, you know, two months with one of those weeks off is not really very long. So, and you know, if you if you think about fast feast repeat and the twenty eight day fast start, I tell you, okay, don't expect weight loss during the first twenty eight days. So there's your first month right there. So now you have one more month, and one of those weeks was off. So you really, it wouldn't surprise me now. But again, I would like to know what does she mean by gaining weight? If she's gained, you know, twenty pounds or one pound, or has her weight fluctuated? The more details that you give, the the better advice we can we can give you. Because honestly, it might just be as simple as first your body was adjusting, and it's only been another month, and one of those weeks was vacation, and you have Hashimoto's and anemia, and maybe you're focusing on fluctuations instead of what your trend is doing. So, I mean, there are just so many things. Yeah, exactly. I will say for listeners, though, because I know listeners really want to get their question featured, include as many details as possible without it being like a novel. <laughs> so so when we say tell us a lot, try to tell it succinctly a lot. What your body's been doing, you know, like, and, and again, like, for example, if Shelby had been rapidly gaining weight prior to starting IF and now she's slowly gaining weight, that's a positive. You know, like, for example, back when I did those crazy diets, like the HCG diet or took diet pills, for example, you know, after I stopped doing those things, my body regained weight. And so maybe it could be regaining weight because you had done a prior, you know, maybe you did, you know, metafast, whatever, last month before you started intermittent fasting. Oh, wait, a metafast? Well, I don't know. One of those programs, I, I don't know, I think there's a program called metafast where you're doing shakes. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, like M-E-D-I. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I don't know if they even call it that anymore. But the point was, if you'd been doing some kind of a highly restrictive plan, but we just we just don't know. Because I would totally expect someone who had been doing a highly restrictive plan and stopped doing it to gain weight. 
even of switching over to intermittent fasting. There's just so many factors. We just need to know. I just felt like this question encapsulated what I think, I feel like we see it so much. It's like, because fasting is becoming so popular, which is great, which is great. And so many people are doing it, which is great. And we're learning more about all the health benefits, which is great. And people are being successful, which is great. But it doesn't mean it's the only thing. And I'm not saying she she's doing this. It's something that I I just feel like happens with a lot of people. That like it, it's like if your lifestyle and your fasting isn't working, the fasting is the only thing to tweak. And I don't think that's the case. Exactly. So we have a question from Teresa. The subject is IF headaches. And Teresa says, hi, I'm new to IF. I've read Jen's book, Fast Feast Repeat. I just recently started following her blog and getting into podcasting. I was wondering about this question. Is it okay to take Tylenol while fasting? I'm still trying to find the answer. I'm experiencing headaches and I'm not sure what to do to help with that. Mostly everything I've read up to this point says, give it time. It should pass. So yes, Teresa, headaches are common during the adjustment phase. Your body is, you know, trying to figure out how to fuel itself and it's used to running on that quick blood glucose that you've been supplying to it. If you were eating, you know, the way most of us used to before IF, you know, we got constant fuel coming in. Our body's used to that. Now your body's having to learn how to do something new. So that's why you you may have headaches during the adjustment phase. Not everybody does, but if you do, know that it's temporary. Now, let's just say, can you take pain relievers while fasting in general? The answer to that is yes. Make sure to take something that's safe on an empty stomach. That is really, really important. And in general, Tylenol themselves, like the makers of Tylenol, recommend that it's okay to take it on an empty stomach. So that's just coming from them. But there are definitely a lot of other pain relievers out there that are not safe to take on an empty stomach. They can cause problems. So make sure that, you know, you're you're choosing something that's safe on an empty stomach. And also, if you feel like it makes your, your you feel sick or if it makes your stomach hurt or anything like that, just go ahead and eat. It's okay to eat as your body is adjusting if you need to. Don't push through pain if if your body's not ready yet. You know, you can have a slightly longer fast tomorrow. And the little, you know, let's say you were trying to get to 18, but today you only made it to 15. Maybe tomorrow you'll make it to 15 and a half. That's what I meant by slightly longer fast. I don't want people to think that I'm saying you should make it up by doing like a 45-hour fast or something. No, just gently slightly longer and let your body ease in. Yeah, that was great. And I'm glad you drew attention to the... The empty stomach part, that is one of the issues with a lot of pain relievers. I think especially like ibuprofen and things like that is they actually, the anti-inflammatory enzyme that they inhibit, it's like the COX-2 enzyme. It actually plays a like a role in our gut. By inactivating it, it can exacerbate leaky gut syndrome and intestinal issues. So there's um, a lot of problems with a lot of conventional pain pills. So definitely being wary of that is great. And hopefully finding the root source of the headaches. So 
Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up a Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Shall we do one more question? All right, so we have a question from Roxy. And it is, hi, first of all, I love, love, love your podcast, and I really appreciate both of you sharing your own personal journey and all of the information you provide in layman's terms. My question is about supplements. After listening to you both and doing extensive research about the best supplements for me, I was just about to go forward with some purchases that are recommended on your website in the Stuff We Like section, and I am so confused. 
I have heard Jen say more times than I can count that she would never purchase supplements from Amazon, yet all of the links take you to a product on Amazon. Also, some of the products have a lead warning label on it, so I'm hesitant to move forward. Would you mind clarifying a bit? Also, I seem to have bags under my eyes and I get enough sleep, eight to nine hours, and I'm not tired. I use good quality eye products and nothing helps. A doctor told me it's lack of iron, which I've had issues in the past with anemia. I've taken iron pills in the past, which left me constipated. Can you recommend a good iron supplement? Thank you so much, Roxanne. She said, by the way, I'm a 54-year-old woman who has always been in good shape. I'm one of those annoying people who love to exercise. I also have eaten clean and whole foods, although very restrictive. I literally have only eaten lean protein and vegetables in six small meals for the last 10 years of my life. That worked well for me for a long time as far as looking amazing in my bikini, especially for my age, until it didn't. Thanks, menopause. Yeah, I hear you there, Roxy. Menopause is such a game changer. (sighs) So she said, since doing IF 10 weeks in, I feel free. I no longer have to carry food around. I eat healthy fats, and I don't feel like the weirdo at a party because I require different food choices. And I actually enjoy my food rather than just getting it in. My skin looks amazing. My mood is positive. I have lots of energy. And get this, a mysterious rash I have had on my thighs for over 20 years that no doctor could identify is miraculously clearing up. It's a miracle. Now I'm hoping my libido will come back, and so does my husband. Oh, Roxanne, I get it. Can I speak to one of those questions real quick and then let you get the rest of it before I say anything else? All right, good iron supplement. I'm with you on that, Roxy, because I have always had anemia ever since I was ever tested from teenage years on. That's just something that my body struggles with. I have recently started cooking in cast iron pans. And I am nailing it, Melanie. I am doing great in my cast iron pans, finally. And they do add iron to your to your meals. And also, the food tastes better. I swear to God, the food tastes better. Oh, it tastes way better, <laughs> in my opinion. It, like, makes a difference. I don't, maybe, you know how, like, there's the theory that we crave salt if we need salt and that we salt food till it tastes good based on and our what, how much we need drives us to add it till it tastes good? I wonder if the same can be said for the iron pan. Like maybe I think the food tastes so good because it's got more iron in it and my body is craving the iron. There's a theory. I just had an epiphany about cast iron just now that I've never had. And I think about iron a lot because I also I also um, have struggled with anemia, like severe, like... A lot of women do. Yeah. Mine was like, I literally could have died. Like I Googled the iron levels I was at. But my epiphany, I'm so excited about this epiphany. I as well have found great benefits from using cast iron. That's always been confusing to me because the form of iron in cast iron is non-heme, which is the type of iron found in plants, compared to heme, which is the type of iron found in animal products, which is much more easily assimilated by the body. And I've always been like, why is cast iron so effective when it's non-heme and not heme? I bet it's because non-heme that you get from plants like spinach and stuff often comes along with iron inhibitors in the plants. So not only is it a less easily assimilated form, but there's often like phytates and different things in plants that actually inhibit iron absorption. Cast iron wouldn't have that. It literally would just have the iron. Yeah. So that never occurred to me. 
The thing that has been a game changer for me, like friends, I struggle with anemia. I was hospitalized and had to get blood transfusions and then got my iron up and then it dropped again and I had to get infusions, but I'm keeping it steady now. And there's two things I've been doing. One, I've been supplementing with chlorophyll. The chlorophyll molecule is actually essentially identical to our blood, except it has magnesium instead of iron. Because of the the nature of its makeup, it can, I don't know the, the specifics of it, but it can help your own blood build up its iron store. So even though it doesn't have iron in it, it can have that effect on your blood. So I've been doing that. And then a lot of people will take desiccated liver supplements. I've actually been taking desiccated spleen, which has way more iron than the liver. And especially with constipation being an issue, I don't find any constipation from the spleen or the chlorophyll. And it's really just those straight up iron pills that are a problem. If you do want to take just an iron pill, make sure you get the chelated form I think Blue Bonnet makes a chelated form and a lot of people experience a lot of benefits with that and say that it's not constipating. So a lot of options there. And then on top of that, I've heard this, I've read this. I don't know if this is the case, but to err on the side of more information rather than less. Some people say that you shouldn't do super high dose iron every day because the body might adjust accordingly and stop absorbing more. So if you're trying to build up your levels, maybe doing it like every other day. But what I've been doing, I've been taking the chlorophyll every day. I don't think there's a concern with too much of that. And I've been doing one or two spleen pills every day, actually. As far as the products on Amazon, I've been getting, Jen, because I still have my Facebook groups. So many people have asked about this. So many people. Really? I think our messaging surrounding Amazon and supplements is that it can be really, really hard to know if your supplements are coming from verified sources. The supplement world in general is very murky. There's not regulation. There's a lot of potential problems. That's why you've got to be really, really careful about vetting the brands and then making sure you're ordering and you're getting the actual product. So everything that we list on the stuff we like, those are brands that I have personally taken and have researched ad nauseum and feel good about. I don't think we're saying don't order on Amazon. We're just saying you really got to have a discerning eye. Exactly. Be very, very careful when you're ordering supplements on Amazon. And I know I've said this before, only order them from a seller that you trust on Amazon. I would not order a supplement on Amazon from Bob's Best Supplements. I don't know who Bob is. (laughs) Bob's Supplement, I don't know. I'm not going to order, even if it's a brand that... Even like, like I used to order a certain brand of magnesium and I would always get it from Amazon, but it would be different third-party sellers selling it. So I would order it if it was shipped from and sold by Amazon, but I wouldn't order it if, if it was sold by Bob's supplement station. Exactly. Exactly. So like a lot of the supplements I think we do recommend there are some brands I, I do trust, like I really trust Pure Encapsulations and I trust Thorn. So ordering Pure Encapsulations from Pure Encapsulations page on Amazon or Thorn from Thorn's page. Don't buy Thorn from Bob's Supplements or Us. Buy it from Thorn. I'm sorry, Bob. If there is a Bob, I just made that up. <laughs> you might be a good supplement seller if there is one. But 
And I feel very sorry for honest third-party sellers on Amazon. I really, really do. But it's not their fault that there are shady people out there selling things on Amazon that have tainted it for everybody. I mean, there are amazing, lots of people who are honest and selling great things as third-party sellers on Amazon. And I really, really hate that they have to be tainted by the others. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yep. And then I will speak to the lead thing. Yes, there are some products I know on our website and products I've used, and they are products that have lead warnings on them. I think it's prop, what is it? Prop 65. It's the California thing. This is something that I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I do think reducing lead is so, so important. I'm not sure which one she's talking about. It might've been, I know like citrus pectin has that warning. I know some of the, um, like the toothpaste. So this is something where I think it's something to be definitely aware of. And if it concerns you, just don't take it. Some of the stuff, it's like the cost benefit or what are you using it for? But I think it's great, Roxy, that you're aware of that. So if you're not comfortable, if it has that label, then just, yeah, don't order it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm very supplement cheesy. That's just what it's come down to. I'm a skeptic and I'm cheesy. And it has to be a company that I really, really trust. But there are some I trust. So, Which, speaking of, I'm still moving forward with my Serapepte supplement. How long do they tell you it'll take? What's the... We're hashing out the contract right now. Like, that's what we've been doing the past few days. So once we sign the contracts, I think it'll probably be between 8 to 12 weeks. So two or three months after we sign the contracts. So it'll probably be this winter sometime, which will be really exciting. And so that will be, friends, you can trust me. (laughs) You can trust my Sarah Peptes. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm very excited. Well, I'm excited for you. Yep. And I just want to say briefly, I also really love everything that Roxy shared about her success with IF and her rash disappearing and combating the weight gain of menopause and her skin and her mood. And that's just really wonderful. Yes. That is really amazing. Yep. Yep. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go, if you would like to submit your own questions for the podcast, You can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. We mentioned it already, but you can get all the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 224. Those show notes will have a complete transcript. So definitely check that out. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, Jen is Jen Stevens. And I think that is everything. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? I did just start a second Instagram account. A second? Well, I feel like I want to have a place to talk about cleanish things. So it's like I have Jen Stevens, or it's like my intermittent fasting. So I have one called Cleanish Jen. So people follow me there. Right now it's pretty boring, but I'm going to post things that relate specifically to cleanish. You don't just want to do it on your own? I don't. Nope. Just because it's kind of murky. Instagram started off just my personal. I don't want my Instagram to be all businessy. I don't want to sell people things on Instagram. I just don't want to. Like I want my, you know, my son and my friends and does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like Facebook got all lumped together for me. Like I had everything. I did everything under my regular Jen Stevens. So I want to have a separate Instagram 
so if people are interested in, in following me for cleanish kind of things, <laughs> go to look for cleanish gin and you can find it there. I think I have like four people. Actually, I haven't talked about it or told anybody about it, but like four people found me already. I don't know how. I just followed you. Four. Now I have five. I'm your seventh follower. Number seven. Woo! See, I'd never talked about it, but I just set it up thinking, you know, because my publisher's always wanting me to do more on Instagram, and I know I should do more on Instagram, but I just, I don't want to merge the two together, if that makes sense. So if you want to see my cleanish recommendations, then cleanish gin is where to go. People have asked me to start a separate Instagram, and I'm, I'm like, that's overwhelming. <laughs> For me, it's easier to just have it all. It's really easy to switch back and forth from one to the other, which I didn't know. Well, I, we have our IF podcast, so I switch back and forth. Yeah. Okay. But it is really easy to switch back and forth. It, it just feels right to me to keep it all there because I never have been very active on Instagram. But follow me on both if you want. Well, this has been wonderful, and I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.